0: Are you confused by Bible prophecy? Do you wish that you could understand it better? Then I invite you to stay tuned for an interview with one of Christendom's foremost expositors of the Scriptures, Dr. Charles Ryrie, the renowned author of the Ryrie Study Bible. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to Biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I am delighted to have with me once more this week Dr. Charles Ryrie, the author of the immensely popular Ryrie Study Bible. Welcome back, Dr. Ryrie. Thank you. Well, we're really glad to have you back. And uh, as I said last week, we ever since I let the word out I was going to be interviewing you, we, we were deluged with questions, uh, particularly about Bible prophecy. But I want to start off with one that has... Uh, A little bit, uh, it doesn't have so much to do with uh, specific Bible prophecy as Bible prophecy in general, and that is this. You've spent your life as a seminary professor, and you know seminaries all across America very well. Why is it that the average seminary in America today ignores Bible prophecy? I mean, you could go all the way through the seminary and never learn one thing about it.
1: Oh, I don't know that I can answer that uh, specifically or easily. I have some opinions. Well, let's have those. Opinions is that prophecy is too hard to understand. Uh, Prophecy should be um, taken non-literally. So it's, and prophecy is useless. It's talking about the future. And and we're here to live in in the present in different ways. So it's pie in the sky and we want to be changing the world here and now. Uh, Maybe those are the reasons. I don't know. And you know,
0: it seems to me that the fact that the seminaries ignore it probably is one of the main reasons that preachers ignore it. You can go to church year after year and never hear anything about Bible prophecy. In fact, you, you you made a point that's very good. When I talk to pastors quite often and ask them why they never teach on Bible prophecy, they'll say to me, "David." I, I've got every problem known to man in my congregation. I've got to preach practical sermons. Yeah. I can't talk about pie in the sky stuff. That they, and furthermore, who understands it anyway? You know there's premillennial and postmillennial and amillennial and, and they always say, I'm just a panmillennial. I, so I believe it will all pan out in the end. And yeah. to me that's an admission of, of being lazy.
1: Or ignor- not willing
0: yeah. to study it and find yeah. out what it says.
1: Willing ignorance. <laughs> you know all of God's Word is profitable. Of course. But people today think, I've got to scratch people where they're itching. And then we think, I know where they're itching, but I don't. And I know you've had the experience of preaching something, and you thought the application would be such and such, and somebody comes up to you after and said, you know that oh, spoke absolutely, to me absolutely. in a way that you never thought it could happen.
0: Yes, that is so true. And you know what I tell pastors, I, I, I say to them, let me tell you something about Bible prophecy. If you will teach it properly, uh, you will find it will change the lives of your people. If you can ever convince them number one, Jesus is really coming back. Yeah. Now the average Christian believes that there, but they don't believe it here. Mm-hmm. I mean really believe that Jesus yeah. is coming back. And number two, that is an event that can yeah. occur any moment. Their lives will be transformed yeah. because mine was they they will commit their lives to holiness and they will commit their lives to yeah. evangelism. Now how much
1: poor practical could anything be? Oh, it's it's very practical. Knowledge of the future affects our present activities In many areas, yes. You're going on a trip. You get the clothes out and get them ready to pack. You know the Lord's coming. You're going on a bigger trip. (laughs) You better get yourself straightened out and ready to go. Amen. Amen. Well, there is probably no
0: book in the Bible that has been more attacked by liberals than the Book of Daniel, a prophecy book, a book that's essential to the understanding of Bible prophecy. They hate that book with a passion. And what do you say to people in defense of the book of Daniel? I I even went to a church one time where I asked people to turn the book of Daniel and the pastor stood up in front of the entire congregation and said, we will not allow that book to be read in this uh, church. And I said, what do you mean? He said, it's a fraud. It was written about the time of Christ and written like prophecy to make it sell better. And he pointed his finger at me and said, you obviously are not a seminary graduate.
1: Ooh, ooh, Ooh! What do you say in defense of the book of Daniel? Well, one thing I say is go to the British Library uh, correction, it may be in the British Museum now, okay. they separated the two. And look at um, the um, evidence for the historical existence of the kings that are mentioned in the book of Daniel. Yes. And the dates of those kings is not the time of Christ. It's, it's at the time that uh, conservatives have often, has always said, The book of Daniel was written. You
0: know, when this pastor said that to me, one of the things that popped into my mind was I said, well, hey, uh, if it was written at the time of Christ, then why was it included in the Septuagint? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, the Septuagint translation, it was included. And I said, that was what 280 years before Christ.
1: And the Lord quoted from it. And He
0: quoted from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you attack the book of Daniel, you're in effect attacking the Lord because He quoted from it. So, it, it just, but you know, I think the reason liberals hate it so much is because it is so precise in its prophecies, and they do not want to admit that this book contains any fulfilled yeah, prophecy.
1: Yeah, and it's easy to test those prophecies, <laughs> because so many of them have been fulfilled. Oh, boy, it, it is really
0: something. Well, let me, let me get to uh, the question that so many people have uh, sent in, and that question is this, do you believe that we are living in the season of the Lord's return?
1: Yes. Now people all through the ages have expected the Lord to return in their generation. That was true in the first century. It was true in the, uh, um, well, let's see, the uh, 16th century. Uh, people identified the Antichrist usually as one of the reigning popes, but they were looking for about the future. It it was true at the uh, time the pilgrims came. One of their motivations to leave Holland was that they thought the millennium was about to happen and they were going to be a part of the the people who uh, uh, conquered evil. And it was true when the first atomic bomb was exploded. I don't know how many articles I read Mm -hmm. uh, saying that uh, this is the fulfillment of Revelation 16, Mm -hmm. the judgments described under the seals in that chapter. Mm -hmm. But there are things that are true today that were not true uh, 60 years ago. Well,
0: I would say a hearty amen to that. And what would you
1: point to? Well, I just happen to have an object lesson. Do you believe in object lessons? (laughs) I do. I love them. (laughs) I do too. first book I ever wrote was for children. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Well, here's an object lesson. This is... A
0: 20 shekel.
1: A 20 shekel bill. From Israel. Shekel. Shekel. Doesn't that ring any bills? Yes, it does, right on the Bible. <laughs> right on the Bible. But that's not, a, that's not an old bill. No. That was printed in Israel. That's the currency of Israel. Israel. Now, if the Antichrist was going to make a treaty with Israel, as the Bible says, 60 years ago, where would he have gone to do it? Answer, London. Because... Palestine was under the control, after the Second World War, sure. of Britain. Where could he go today? Jerusalem, mm-hmm. the parliament, the buildings there, the, the, the uh, area of the government offices is in Jerusalem. So the existence, the continued existence of the nation Israel for 59 years now is something that's very very significant.
0: And you know Dr. Ryrie, it thrills me to death to go back and uh, read books written in the 19th century that uh, say very clearly the Bible says that in the end times God is going to regather the children of Israel in unbelief from the four corners of the earth and reestablish them in that land and uh, there are books in the 19th century saying this yeah. the puritans said it 400 years yeah. ago. Yeah. And people laughed and scoffed and ridiculed and yet that, that's what happened.
1: Well the 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 nation is or the existence of it is an embarrassment to replacement theology because oh, sure. <laughs> they don't think there's any future for Israel. I got another one here. All right, I'll let you tell them what that is.
0: Oh, that's a ten uh, euro.
1: Yeah, that's a euro I, bill. Yes, a euro. Euro, euro. Can you imagine <laughs> France giving up its francs? and German giving up its marks, and Italy giving up its lira, and Greece giving up its drachmas, and all of them using the euro. And that that unity, that financial unity, that banking unity took place in less than two years when they started. Now, that's that's significant because in the end time there will be blocks of nations. geographically related to Israel. A block in the west. There's the euro. A block in the north. A block in the east. And Egypt in the south. And the block in the east. Who could have imagined ten years ago that uh, that part of the world would be so important and prominent commercially? That's right. Uh, Not only China and Japan And Singapore, but now uh, India—all of these Eastern countries have just risen almost suddenly, overnight, to become powers to be reckoned with. And that—that unification, that making of blocks in relation to Israel in the middle—is, I think, something we haven't seen before.
0: Well, I I say you have really driven the point home beautifully with this uh, illustration here. And I would agree with you 100%. I used to teach international law and politics for 20 years before I went in the ministry. And um, all that time I was running from the Lord then when I finally surrendered and said, okay, Lord, I'm tired of running and I'll do what you want me to do, he handed me a ministry that really teaches international politics from a biblical viewpoint. Yeah. I wish I could go back to uh, the university I graduated yeah. from and teach international politics from the viewpoint of Daniel and, and what the Bible has to say because it's so much more accurate. But you're so right. We have things today that have never existed before, the most important being the existence of the nation of Israel because all of end time Bible prophecy focuses on In Israel. They'll be regathered, their state will be reestablished. They'll be put back in their city, and then that final thing there—the whole world will come against them over sure. the control of Jerusalem. That's where we are, Doctor. Yeah, right. exactly. The whole world exactly. is exactly, and then the European Union. Daniel talked about how the old uh, uh, Roman the old Empire, Empire was God, going to be yeah. revived in yeah. the end times, and and they tried it. I mean, think about it. Throughout history, all the times that people like Napoleon. And others tried to do that through yeah. war, and it never worked. But yeah. when it was God's timing, bang, just like that. A guy gets up in, in Europe and says, Hey, the only way we can recover from World War II is we got to get together and cooperate, yeah. and it leads into a super state.
1: Yeah.
0: Because it was God's timing.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: And I can the, almost. And the
1: <laughs> kings, plural of the East. Yes. Revelation 16. Yes. Kings, an alliance, a group. Well, it, we're seeing
0: it come together before our very eyes. And as I was telling you before we began this program, I was speaking in Orlando, Florida in the early 90s with a wonderful man of God who uh, was 82 at the time, and he had been preaching Bible prophecy for 60 years. And his topic was the signs of the times. He got up and said, folks, I'm tired of preaching on the signs of the times. I've been doing it for 60 years. When I started, uh, you could scratch around like a chicken and find one, maybe. (laughs) He said, the day they're everywhere, you'd have to be spiritually blind. And he says, I'm not looking for signs. I'm listening for a sound. I'm listening for the sound of a trumpet. Man, I was shouting, amen, amen. Let it blow. (laughs) I'm ready to get out of here. (laughs)
1: That's good. Okay.
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, we're going to take a pause here for a moment and tell people about a book by Tim LaHaye called Under Understanding Bible prophecy for yourself, which was, is really down to earth, practical uh, type of book, very easy to read, that gives you fundamental principles for understanding the Bible as well as Bible prophecy. And so uh, here's some information about that, and afterwards we will come back and ask Dr. Uh, uh, Ryrie some more
2: questions. Does your understanding of Bible prophecy depend solely on the study of others? Would you like to understand Bible prophecy for yourself? Would you like to understand the principles of interpretation well enough to do your own study? Master teacher Tim LaHaye has written this book for just that purpose. He demonstrates that the Bible, including Revelation, is a book that can be understood. While Bible school and academic pursuits are always desirable, just learning the principles of sound biblical interpretation can benefit anyone at any stage of life. In understanding Bible prophecy for yourself, you'll find exercises that will help you get a precise understanding of key Bible prophecies. See step-by-step examples of how to interpret Bible passages. Have a comprehensive overview of God's plan for the future. Find charts that present a clear outline of the future. And get solid guidelines for accurate interpretation. To receive your very own copy, call 1-800-225-7977 and ask for the book, Understanding Bible Prophecy for Yourself by Tim LaHaye, It's yours for a gift of $15 or more.
0: Well, welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. My special guest is Dr. Charles Ryrie, author of the very popular Ryrie Study Bible. It's available in the King James Version, New American Standard Version, and the New International Version, also in several languages. Uh, Doctor Ryrie, uh, during the break, we told people about uh, this book by Tim LaHaye on understanding Bible prophecy for yourself. Give us
1: some guidelines of hermeneutics. How, how do you interpret uh, the Bible? Well, hermeneutics just means principles that are going to guide your interpretation of anything. Okay. Now I go back to why did God invent language? we didn't God did and I think there's three reasons one so that he could speak to us two so we could speak to him and second so we could speak to each other now how do I speak to you plainly (laughs) I hope how do I talk to God in prayer not in unintelligible flowery (laughs) ethereal language but plainly Lord I need help (laughs) Lord I need some money Lord I need encouragement how does God speak to us same way and when we monkey around with that, then we're not going to hear what he had to say.
0: Amen. I cannot yell amen loud enough because it, it seems to me that where you get in trouble with the bi- interpreting the Bible, and particularly Bible prophecy, uh, is when you start saying it doesn't really mean yes, what it yes. says. Now, what he really means is so and so. I've, I've seen them do that to authors. I remember Carl Sandburg one time. They said, well, he didn't really, what he really meant, he said, the time I got through reading that, I didn't know what in the world they were talking about.
1: Well, if you want to know what I really meant in my books, I'm still living. So you can ask me. Now, the author of the Bible is still living. Amen. And you can ask him what he said. And you can read what he said in the written word. And don't spiritualize it. Don't mess around with it. I I read the most astounding uh, deliteralizing of a passage in Isaiah 11 where the Bible says, uh, predicts the time when the wolf will lie down with the lamb. And this writer we would call him conservative. He was dealing with that passage. He said, that means the wolfish rebel, (laughs) meaning the unsaved person, by conversion now turns into the mild meekness of the lamb. That is just unreal, unbelievable. And it's worse than that because it is doing an injustice. It's doing damage to God's Pure word that he's given us it
0: seems to me that the two areas where people spiritualize the most are the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible, yep. the yes, Genesis true. story and yep. how it 's all going to end yep. is where they spiritualize the most yeah yep, they do and, that, and, and, and in Bible prophecy, it seems to me that you could see very clearly if you knew anything about Bible prophecy at all that the first coming prophecies meant exactly what they
1: said Precisely. Therefore, why
0: should the second coming prophecies mean anything other than what they yeah.
1: say and you know Even in the Revelation, there are more words that you do understand than the few you may not understand. So just take what you do understand plainly. And uh, as you grow and study, that area of what you don't understand will become plainer and plainer.
0: One principle I've always used, and in, in, in tried to use in interpreting Bible, regardless whether it's Bible prophecy or not, is is what I call my golden rule of interpretation. If the plain sense makes sense, yeah. don't look for any other sense, or you'll end up with nonsense. You know, don't, don't play games with it. No. And the other thing is to watch the context, because. Uh, a word in one context will mean one thing; it'll mean something in another. I, I, I ran across a fellow the other day and said I can prove to you that there's there's not going that the, thou, the the millennium, the thousand years in Revelation chapter twenty, is uh, uh, it, it does not mean a thousand years because he said over in the Psalms it says God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He said now are there are there only a thousand hills. He said there's obviously more than that, so it doesn't mean thousand in Revelation. Well, you have got two different
1: contexts. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and you just take it naturally, normally, plainly.
0: Okay, now we come to the most controversial question of all. And this is the one that we've had more people call and say, ask him this question than any other one. And that, of course, has to do with the rapture. For those who don't know what the rapture is, it's a teaching that the Lord's going to appear in the heavens and the, the church, all those who are true believers, are going to be taken out of the world. The question, the real tough question is, when is that going to happen? When is it most likely to occur? Before the tribulation, middle of the tribulation, near the end, combined with the second coming? What is your opinion?
1: My opinion is the same as what the Bible teaches. That is, it's before the tribulation.
0: What argument would you give
1: to somebody? I'm really dogmatic on this point.
0: Okay, alright. Now, now, now tell us the reasons now.
1: Well, I think there are several reasons. One is uh, comparing two verses, First Thessalonians uh, chapter four. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter one, end of the end of the chapter. Right. The tenth verse I think, yes. It is, yes. One ten. I know what that is. We know the deliverer from the wrath to come.
0: We're waiting on Jesus who will yeah, deliver what, us from the wrath that is yeah. to come. Yes.
1: And and you you know, incidentally, that word wait kind of means wait up. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, just wait expectantly. Okay. Um, The deliverer from the wrath to come. People sometimes read that and think that means hell. But wrath generally almost always talks about wrath on living people. Yes. It is so in Romans 1, for example. Now, if you compare that with Revelation 6, where it says in the sixth seal, that the great day of his wrath has come, and that verb "has come" means it's already here. Okay. Who is able to stand? Right. Well, if I'm delivered from the wrath, and the wrath is at the beginning of the tribulation, then I'm not going to be here during the tribulation.
0: Well, that's a pretty solid argument yeah. right there.
1: The it's- other one I think is uh, that's so good is Revelation three ten, which says to the church of Philadelphia. Uh, I will keep you from the hour Mm -hmm. of trouble, temptation, trial, that will come upon the whole Whole, world to try those who dwell upon the earth. People say, well, that's just in the short letter to Philadelphia, and and it doesn't (laughs) apply to us. Well, Philippians is a short letter. (laughs) Philemon is a short letter. (laughs) But you don't rule rule them out of the canon. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And that is a promise to the whole church, because every one of those letters ends with, Hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, what is said to Philadelphia is said to the churches.
0: I would think that you would also mention another argument being a dispensationalist, and that is that uh, the Great Tribulation is a period where God is dealing with Israel, not with the church. And again, we're keeping Israel and the church separate here, right?
1: I was going to link that with Daniel 9, because the 77s are for Israel upon your people and your holy city, and we are not. Uh, the church is not His people in that day. We are His people now. But uh, back to Revelation 3.10 a okay. moment if you don't mind. The promise is very specific. It relates to the tribulation that comes upon the whole world. That's right. uh, there are troubled times and persecution in lots of parts of the world today. But look at the promise. I will keep you. I will keep you not in the time but from the time. Right. And I will keep you from the hour. Now, the only place we could be is somewhere where time isn't ticking. And that's heaven.
0: Well, that reminds me of Luke 21 where it says, Pray that you may escape these things. Because I often have people attack me because I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture by saying, You're just an escapist. You just want to get out here and not suffer for the Lord. I, well, that's true. <laughs> no, I, I don't deny that. <laughs> but Noah was an escapist, and yeah, Lot was an escapist, no. and Jesus said, pray that you can escape these things.
1: Yeah, and if they read what's going to happen, they'd be thankful they could escape. <laughs> uh, I don't use that. I, don't, I just think that's a ridiculous statement, because ask them, would you be willing to die for Christ right now, mm-hmm. today? And mm-hmm. the answer would be, well, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: But they want to die for him and suffer for him during the tribulation. All right, one other question, and that has to do with the fact that uh, most people are not aware of this that the, the most widely held prophetic viewpoint in the world today by more Christians than any other viewpoint is amillennialism. It's not the premillennial view, it's amillennialism. That's the view of the Catholic Church, it's the view of most Protestant denominations. And for those who don't know what that means, it means that uh, the person believes that we're in the millennium now, that it began at the cross, it's going to continue until Jesus returns, that uh, there will be no future literal millennium uh, uh, where Jesus will reign on earth. What would you say in response to that?
1: Read the morning paper and see if you're in the millennium. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I've mentioned to you a, a great theologian by the name of Lorraine Bettner and I read his book on the millennium and when I finished it I thought he's living in a different universe. A than dream, a dream world. He spent the whole time trying to convince everything is so wonderful and so good and so great and getting better and better.
1: Now there are some odd males who will say uh, this millennium's now in heaven and you'll experience it when you go to heaven. Oh. But If they say it's on earth, read the paper. <laughs>
0: Well, all I can say is if we're reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ right now, uh, we're doing a very poor job
1: of it. Very poor job. Because
0: every nation on planet Earth, including the United States of America, is in rebellion against Jesus That's Christ.
1: Right. That's
0: right. So I, I just find that a very, very difficult thing. What, what about the uh, increasing popularity of this uh, viewpoint called preterism, where they argue that there are different degrees of preterism, but basically argue that most of the end time prophecies were fulfilled in the first century? In the first century, yeah.
1: Well, they have to deliteralize. They do find things that actually happened. In the first century, that are bad and troublesome and tribulation type things, but they're not over the whole world. That's right. That's right.
0: And it all depends. That whole viewpoint depends on one thing that the book of Revelation was written before 70 AD, and the whole evidence of the book and history and everything was written about 95 AD. That's
1: right. That's right. They have to make an early date for Revelation.
0: Well, we only have about a minute and a half left, and I wanted to use that time to give you an opportunity to speak to any viewer. Who may be watching right now, who uh, does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and maybe have convinced themselves that they can earn their way to heaven through good works? So many people believe that. Would you look right into that camera and just address some remarks to them for a minute? I'd be
1: happy to, because there's nothing more important we could talk about. It's more important to know your personal, individual destiny uh, for eternity, not just for tomorrow or rest of your life or. But for eternity and the only way to know that you will be in heaven with the Lord forever and ever is to know that you have received him personally as your Savior from sin he died for your sins you may believe that but until you connect until you say yes Lord you died for my sins and I'm trusting that to take care of the whole sin problem and believe me, it's a problem. I've never been able to take care of it. Oh, I can <laughs> I can sort of form some good habits, but eternal forgiveness and freedom from eternal damnation, that depends on whether you have said, Lord, I take, I accept you as my personal, personal savior from the judgment, the penalty of sin. And I know then I have eternal life, and I'll be with you forever.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Ryrie. I pray that the Lord will continue to bless your writings and magnify your voice worldwide. Thank you. Folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries, saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near.
2: We want you to become more familiar with us, so we've prepared an introductory packet for anyone who requests it. This packet is free, and you can receive one of your own by calling the number on your screen or writing to us at lamblion at Your packet will contain the latest issue of our bi-monthly magazine, The Lamplighter, a catalog listing all of our resources, our most popular publication entitled, What Happens When You Die, and an audio message entitled, Jesus Is Coming Soon. When you request your introductory packet, you'll also begin receiving every other month our magazine, The Lamplighter. Just give us a call at 1-800-705-8316 during regular business hours Central Time and ask for the Lamb and Lion introductory packet. Or you can email us at lamblion at lamblion.com. Please remember to provide us your name and address when you write